For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jesus Stories. We are number 25 today, and yes, we are dodging danger, and yes, I said danger. Today, Jesus will teach about forgiveness before setting off on a dangerous journey to Jerusalem. In fact, once he gets there, he will be accused of being possessed by a demon. The Jewish leaders will seek to arrest him, unsuccessfully, I might add. Like I said, I promised you some conflict in this episode last time, but it's not all like that. He will show mercy and forgiveness to a woman who was planted there to trap him. These are the Jesus Stories podcast, the podcast which tells the stories and the teachings of the life of Jesus in an informal, informative, and interesting way and without preaching. This is a listener-supported podcast. That means that we are dependent on you to keep on making these episodes and covering the expenses necessary to produce a podcast such as this. If you'd like to support us, I invite you to visit patreon.com slash Jesus Stories. Choose the level of support you can afford to help us out. And I encourage you to remember that there are many who cannot support us financially. We do reach over 2,000 persons per episode in many parts of the world that are not rich. That includes some third world countries. And as always, we covet your prayers as we continue telling the stories of Jesus. When we left Jesus and his disciples in the last episode, he was in the midst of teaching. He had corrected his disciples as they argued about who was the greatest among them. He talked about humility, saying, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And he talked about the best way to handle conflicts among people. All of this prompts a question from Peter, the impetuous one. Lord, he says, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, Peter may have thought he was being very forgiving and magnanimous. Other rabbis of the time taught that forgiveness should be offered three times for a repeated offense. Seven was a number that represented perfection and was obviously more than what was being taught by the rabbis. Jesus has a surprising answer. His response? Forgive 77 times. Some translations say 70 times 7. In other words, forgive and keep on forgiving. He follows that with this. 
if another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. Then Jesus follows with a parable, a story. The kingdom of heaven, he says, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with the servants who borrowed money from him. There was one servant who had borrowed a lot of money, the equivalent of of millions of dollars. There was no way this servant could pay the debt back. So the king ordered that the man and his family and everything he had to be sold to pay the debt. The man pleads with the king, be patient with me. I'll repay everything. In pity, the king forgave the debt and the man owed nothing. But when the man left the king, he went to one of his fellow servants who owed him a few dollars, the equivalent of a day's wage. The forgiven man grabbed this fellow servant by the throat and demanded repayment that day. The servant begged the man for patience, but the servant refused, had the man arrested, and put into prison until the debt was paid. Some other servants saw this and got upset. They went to the king and reported this incident to him. The king called this forgiven servant and reinstated the debt with these words, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the king threw the man into prison to be tortured until his debt was paid in its entirety. Jesus follows with, That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. By this time, opposition to Jesus' ministry was strong in Jerusalem. So Jesus' main work was in Galilee, the province well to the north of Jerusalem. But there is a requirement for an observant Jew to go to Jerusalem for three main festivals that are on the Jewish calendar. One of these is the Festival of Tabernacles. This annual festival commemorates the 40-year sojourn of the Jewish people in the desert after they left Egypt. Jehovah God had protected them by providing food and water and ensuring that their clothing and shoes didn't wear out. To celebrate this time for Jehovah God's provision, the Jews would live in tents or booths made out of branches outside their homes in Jerusalem for a week. This was a festive time, a time to celebrate, a time to party. The temple would be illuminated with candles to represent the pillar of fire which guided the people each night. Jehovah God was in that pillar of fire. The priest would carry water from the pool of Siloam and pour it out from a golden pitcher to remind everyone of the miracle where Jehovah God provided water from a rock. Jesus' brothers, his half-brothers, came to Jesus with a suggestion. Leave here, they said, and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. Can you hear the taunting here? John, who writes about this incident, tells us that Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. 
Jesus, knowing that the time isn't right to be taken by the opposition, tells his brothers that it isn't time for him to go, but they can go any time. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me, because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to this festival, because my time has not yet come. So Jesus stays behind in Galilee. Well, it sounds like this observant Jewish man is not going to the festival. But hold up here. There is some disagreement among translators about what Jesus said. Some translators say that Jesus said he was not going to the festival yet. Perhaps so, and perhaps that is the best meaning. As we will see, Jesus does go to the festival. He just does it on his own timetable. And he goes secretly. Down there at the festival in Jerusalem, everyone was looking for him. He certainly didn't need to do additional miracles to cement his fame. And there was disagreement, grumbling, the Bible tells us, about him. Some thought Jesus was a good guy. Others thought he was a deceiver. But all this discussion was done in whispers. No one wanted to get in trouble with the Jewish leaders over their opinion of Jesus. So into this unsettled atmosphere, Jesus goes to the festival. But he doesn't make his presence known until about halfway through the festival. He begins to teach in the temple courts, and this is the public area of the temple. People were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained, they say? They understand that Jesus did not go through the usual rabbinic training. During that day, Jewish boys were expected to memorize their scriptures, and those who did well were mentored by a rabbi from their teen years up. The crowd knew that Jesus hadn't come up through this system. In other words, Jesus' teaching was not backed up with the education from the rabbis. This is in spite of the words that we have heard about Jesus' teaching before. Remember, at the Sermon on the Mount, after it was over, the people said Jesus taught from a position of authority, not like their usual teachers who just quoted other rabbis. You can hear that teaching in the Sermon on the Mount in episodes 12, 13, 14, and 15 of the Jesus Stories podcast. So Jesus answers their questions. He says, My message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obeys it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. So let's break this down. First, Jesus says, my message comes from Jehovah God. If you're a follower of Jehovah God, one who does what he says, you can see that this is so. Jesus' teaching comes directly from Jehovah God, not from some other rabbi. But if someone speaks for himself alone, he says, he seeks adulation for himself. But one who seeks to honor the one who sent him will only speak the truth. Then he cites an example. Moses, he says, gave you the law. But you're the ones who want to violate that law, 
by killing me. One of the commandments in the law is that you shall not kill. Now this stirs up the crowd. You're demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus responds, I did a miracle on the Sabbath. Actually, we've seen several miracles on the Sabbath. Remember, each time Jesus has done a miracle on the Sabbath, he's been challenged by the Pharisees for, quote, working, end quote, on the day of rest. So Jesus says, I did one miracle on the Sabbath and you were amazed. But you work on the Sabbath too when you obey the law of Moses? What's he talking about? Well, remember the Sabbath day was to be a day of rest for the Jewish people. Strict rules have been developed to avoid the appearance of working on the Sabbath. Jesus had violated those rules, but had not violated the Sabbath. By the law of Moses, a Jewish baby boy was to be circumcised eight days after his birth. If that day fell on the Sabbath, then that circumcision was performed then even though that might be considered work. Jesus is saying that you work on the Sabbath when a circumcision is done, and if you do that, why can't I work on the Sabbath? By healing a man. Why be mad at me for healing someone on the Sabbath? Then he closes with, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. In other words, look at the whole picture and then make your judgment. This incident creates some confusion among the people. Isn't this the man they're trying to kill, they said? But here he is speaking in the temple, in public. No one's laying a hand on him. Maybe our leaders think that he is the Messiah. But we know where this man is from. We've been told that the Messiah will just appear. We don't know where he comes from. Again, Jesus hears their wonderings and he calls out to answer. Yes, you know me, and you know where I came from, but I'm not here on my own. The one who sent me is true, and you don't know him. But, he says, I know him because I came from him, and he sent me to you. Jesus is again talking about his father, Jehovah God, the father that sent Jesus to them, to the world. Now the leaders try to arrest Jesus. But they cannot, because John tells us his time had not come. There will come a time when Jesus will be arrested, but that time, as determined by Jehovah God, has not yet arrived. Many in the crowd believe in Jesus. After all, they said, would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than what this man has done? And when the Pharisees hear these comments, they send the temple guards to arrest Jesus. Yes, another attempt to take Jesus into custody, to shut him up. Jesus stops them with this comment. I will be with you only a little longer. Then I will return to the one who sent me. You will search for me, but not find me, and you cannot go where I'm going. All right. What's he saying? This incident is probably about six months before Jesus is finally arrested. And to these Jewish guards, he's telling them that they only have a short amount of time to decide about Jesus' claims, the claim that he has come from Jehovah God. Eventually, he will not be found, and they cannot go where he is going. Now, this statement puzzles the leaders. 
Where's he going to? they ask. Maybe he's going to leave the country and teach other Jews, or maybe even those who are not Jewish. We don't know what he's saying. The last day of the festival is the climax of the whole week. Now, remember I told you that the priests bring water from the Pool of Siloam to pour out in commemoration of the delivery of water from a rock by Jehovah God during the Jewish wandering in the desert after their escape from Egyptian slavery. During this time, Jesus stands up and he shouts to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. The writer John tells us that when Jesus talked of living water, he was speaking about the Holy Spirit, quote, who would be given to everyone believing in him, end quote. But he says, at the time he is writing about, the Holy Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been killed, resurrected, and then returned to heaven. So, Jesus is telling the crowds that he is the source of real water, which will forever satisfy their thirst, to their soul's thirst. And if you recall Jesus' encounter with a woman at the well in Samaria, he promised the same thing. You can listen to that encounter again. It's in episode 7. The priests were reenacting an event which would never satisfy like Jesus could. This continues to divide the crowd. Some wanted Jesus arrested, but again, no one actually can do that at this time. Those who were sent to arrest Jesus were asked why they didn't do their jobs. They report they had never heard anyone talk like this. The Pharisees make fun of their own guards. Listen to these words. Have you been led astray too? Is there a single one of us Pharisees or rulers who believes in him? This foolish crowd follows him. But they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is upon them. One of the Pharisees in this group is a fellow named Nicodemus. We met him in episode 6 when he came to visit Jesus. And he speaks up. Is it legal to convict a man before he's given a hearing? The other Pharisees mocked Nicodemus. Are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. Now, after this encounter, at the end of the day, obviously, Jesus leaves Jerusalem and he heads to the Mount of Olives. Very early the next morning, he returns to Jerusalem and to the temple. A crowd gathers and Jesus sits down to teach them. While he was teaching, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees bring a woman to him who had been caught in the act of adultery. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Well, this is not all that the law of Moses had to say on this subject. In two separate scriptures, Jehovah God tells the people of Israel that if a man commits adultery, both the man and the woman must be put to death. So where was the man? So we are told that this whole incident was an attempt to trap Jesus into saying something that could be used against him. But Jesus just stoops down 
and he writes in the dirt with his finger. Now, I'd love to know what he wrote, but the Bible doesn't tell us what that writing is, so there's a lot of speculation about what was written. I'm not going to go into that speculation. Jehovah God didn't share the writing with us, so it's not an important part of the story. But while Jesus is busy writing, the leaders are demanding an answer. Should we stone this woman? Jesus stands up and he says, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stoops back down and writes on the ground some more. Such a statement obviously shames the leaders. They slip away from the oldest first, one by one, and finally Jesus is left with just the woman. Jesus stands up and he looks at her. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she says. Jesus responds with, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus demonstrates the forgiveness he taught about at the top of this episode. That's our time for this episode. Remember, these Jesus stories are supported by you, my listeners, and thank you for taking the time to hear these episodes. But I would like to make two requests of you, if I may. First, I'd love to hear about how these stories are touching your life. You can send me an email to jesusstories at outlook.com. That's jesusstories at outlook.com. I'd really, really like to hear from you. And secondly, would you consider supporting this podcast? It is your support of this podcast which makes these stories possible. You see, I have to study, write, rewrite, record, edit, and finally upload this podcast and then get out the get the word out to you, the listener, about what is available. And of course, all of this costs money, costs which have to be met each month. This podcast reaches all around the world, over 24,000 downloads to date, with listeners in all the English-speaking world, plus in the Middle East, Africa, countries like Kenya, Uganda, Nigeria, Ghana, and Angola, and South Africa, over in the Far East, places like Vietnam and Indonesia, Japan, even, even in Singapore. And in South Africa, Brazil, Bolivia, Colombia, and Ecuador are all represented. Now, what I'm saying is this. This podcast reaches to countries that are rich as well as to those who are poor. Some of you cannot support this podcast, but many of you can. And I encourage you who can and who find this podcast of value, please visit us. Visit us on patreon.com slash Jesus stories. Find a level of financial support that matches your budget. For those who can support us, I'm working on some extra stuff which will be coming your way. Just a way to say thank you. For those of you who cannot support us, thank you for listening. I pray these podcasts will actually touch your life. And again, I'd love to hear from any of you via email, jesusstories at outlook.com, jesusstories at outlook.com. Or you can DM me on, uh, on social media. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn 
and Instagram. All those links are on the uh, show notes and, and, uh, and on our website. These episodes are all available to you on your favorite podcast player as well. Or you can just visit JesusStories.com. That's JesusStories.com. Share this with your friends and family. What better way to tell them you care about them than by sharing the story of Jesus, his life and teachings with them? If you haven't done so yet, leave a rating and a review on your podcast player as well as on Apple Music. That last one helps other people to find us. And thank you for telling other people about this podcast. And like I say, we are on all the social media networks, so just give us a look at our website, jesusstories.info, to find those links or check in the show notes. In two weeks, Jesus has an extensive back and forth with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They will challenge his authority and his witness. They question his teaching on freedom. They'll even accuse him of being demon-possessed again. And they'll accuse him of being a Samaritan, a group of people they really hated. Jesus will answer each of those charges and then challenge them by healing a man born blind. That's coming up in two weeks on the next Jesus Story episode. See you then. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.